let's bring in Sadek Waba, Global Advisory Council member of the Wilson Centers, member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Sadek, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for having me, Oliver. We've been talking a lot about the economy, a lot about stocks, but I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on how the foreign relations and the geopolitical situations around the world are informing all of this. We hear from the companies, a lot of companies have been blaming some of their margins on the war in Ukraine, and how does that add up? But does it really have that broad a reaching of an effect where just about every company has made some kind of mention, all the way down to Snapchat? Yes, and uh, you heard from your previous segment <clears throat> that gas at the pump is up by 50%. Uh, farmers in South Carolina has seen the price of fertilizer, which incidentally, a big chunk of it comes from Ukraine and Russia, up by 300%. Uh, so the fact that inflation has gone up in the United States uh, and has now persisted at these levels is in large part because of the war in Ukraine. Of course, we did have a trifecta where you had 10 years of a global financial crisis. By the time we tried to get out of it in 2018, we got hit by the pandemic, which of course had to be solved by a massive stimulus plan, which I think was the right thing to do. And then of course we get hit by uh, the Ukrainian war. So while uh, your previous segment shows inflation to somewhat stabilizing, there's still a good chance that inflation reaches double digit by the end of the summer. Mm. And primarily coming from energy prices still? From energy prices and from the fact that you have uh, supply chain uh, challenges. So look at the cost of input, say for example, for infrastructure, that has gone up by 20%. Uh, the Biden administration passed a 1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which is a huge achievement in and of itself because it was a bipartisan effort. It will increase American productivity for years to come, but the cost of building that infrastructure has gone up by 20%. So that has shaved off $240 billion of that 1.2 trillion, and we haven't even started. Mm. There is a, a long move in crude that goes a year even before uh, the invasion of Ukraine, but obviously takes a big spike when that event happened. How do we separate out uh, what's going on in that particular, uh, uh, from that particular impact and then what was generally occurring as our economy and the global economy tries to get back on its feet? We're missing some participants. China's still been in lockdown. Uh, Europe seems to be kind of hitting its stride here to some extent. Uh, but uh, how do we separate out this short versus long term? And is the Ukraine situation even a short term? I mean, if Putin pulls out uh, tomorrow, do the sanctions stop? Does uh, the farming begin the next day? Uh, no, it, and, and that's the problem. You, you really hit it on the nail. It's going to take a long time for this to be resolved. Uh, had it not been uh, for the war in Ukraine, we would have had a good chance to be able to bring back the economy to a more stable footing. Uh, the war in Ukraine effect effectively has exacerbated things. Uh, that's why it's important that we try and resolve that conflict. <clears throat> and that's why it's important that we try and maintain excellent relationship with China. Uh, I want to highlight something very important. Secretary Blinken uh, yesterday made a very important speech, uh, which people have been waiting for, which is on the China policy. <clears throat> that speech, uh, which defines what the China policy is, really uh, is going to be important for the U.S. economy in general. It has three words, invest, align, and compete. None of these are aggressive in any way. Invest is a positive, align is a positive word, and compete is also a positive word. 
So I think that will hopefully allow us to reestablish a relationship with China, uh, which is to the benefit of the U.S. This uh, week was a very interesting on that regard. I'm glad you bring it up because I wanted to get your thoughts on this, uh, which is uh, the status of the U.S.-China relationship at this moment, where it's kind of gone under the radar, uh, given what's happened in Europe and also with the a drawdown and some of the very kind of public aggression with the tariffs. Uh, what is the status there? And uh, do we know how China has kind of uh, not necessarily chosen sides, but it seems that they have chosen to uh, remain fairly impartial, at least uh, from my layman's perspective on the Russia-Ukraine topic. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of at least very public or visible support from China. Is that a, a, a good sign? Definitely. And I think that is reflected in Secretary Blinken's uh, speech yesterday, as I said, which really focuses on the positive. We need to invest together. We need to align ourselves on key elements like climate change. And we will compete and we will be very aggressive in defending our rights globally. I think if China continues to be part of the international rules-based system and we can proactively continue to ensure that that happens, uh, I think uh, the message from the Ukrainian war uh, to China uh, and other uh, countries that think that they don't need to be part of that international system, the message is loud and clear. Uh, we want you to be part of it, but if you're not, uh, we will be very aggressive in defending our rights. Is there uh, clarity now on uh, where U.S. stands in uh, China-Taiwan relationship after the president uh, earlier in the week? Some reports were saying that uh, his, his words perhaps were not directly representative of the policy. Uh, has that been smoothed over, Sadek? I, I believe so. The U.S. has had the same policy on Taiwan for a long time, uh, and I think maintaining the status quo is extremely important. Uh, Taiwan is certainly an ally of the United States. Uh, we invest there, we work with them, uh, and I don't think that will change. But I think if you look at the, the overall geopolitical situation, it's important that we establish long-term agreements with China on key elements. Infrastructure is one of them. Uh, China has been investing 8% of its GDP over the last decades in infrastructure. The US has invested 1%. Even when you include the infrastructure bill, that's not sufficient. So there are definitely areas of cooperation between the U.S. and China, uh, and I would say cooperation, where we will cooperate in areas, compete in areas, uh, and infrastructure is one of them. As uh, China gets ready to restart, just a last stop from Isadek, uh, do we know what their economic plan is uh, uh, if uh, they're able to reopen? They've been locked down now, kind of the last remaining uh, global giant that hasn't uh, visibly moved on uh, from COVID just yet. Do we know kind of what the next six months looks like? It looks, if you listen to the uh, China's prime minister's speech of a couple of days ago, uh, where he showed some frustration uh, in terms of the slowness and warned about very low economic growth, if not negative, uh, which is a first for China, I think uh, they are realizing that you cannot continue to have these massive lockdowns and there needs to be more efficient ways of controlling COVID than these draconian measures that have an impact not only on China, but on the rest of the global economy. Sadek, a great contribution for us. Really appreciate you being here this morning. Looking forward to more. Thanks for having us. Excellent Thank perspective you. as we're uh, having to keep track of a lot here. Can't forget about uh, the global stage for how our economic powers are interacting.
Thanks a lot to Sadek for the reminder here on uh, what we learned from the U.S. policy this week. Sadek Waba joins us.